The Ziggler Show. Timeless inspiration from Zig Ziggler that's influenced over 250 million people worldwide. Inspiring true performance in your work and life today. Welcome to episode 315 of The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, brand ambassador and marketing strategist for Ziggler. Today's show is titled 12 Inches to Success. Quick note to our listeners, due to the fortunate demand for more Ziggler, we are increasing our shows from once a week, so you'll begin to notice an increase in frequency. With me today... Ziggler CEO and the voice and heart of Ziggler today, Tom Ziggler, and also with us for round two is legendary Ziggler trainer and presenter, Brian Flanagan. Brian, in a recent show, shared a story about how Zig impacted his career uh, regarding in your missing success by a distance of 12 inches. We're going to expand on that today and start it off with a 10-minute message from Zig himself. Before we dive into that, Tom Ziggler, I want to get a, a, a pulse. What's happening at Ziggler headquarters today? Oh, my goodness, Kevin. We've got so much going on this week in our headquarters. We've had our presentation skills class today. In fact, Brian is taking a lunch break right now from our Ziggler sales system, and we have a group of people in there going through that. Uh, many of us are getting on the road soon. I'll be headed out of town quite a bit the next few weeks. We're going to go out and reach lives, make a difference. I'll be in Seattle next Tuesday. So things are always cooking. And you're hearing this podcast a little after the fact. That's okay because you can come to our page, our website, and you can find out about all the events that we have coming up. And hopefully we're coming to a town near you. All right. Well, since we're in the middle of your lunch break, and Tom, you just finished the juice fast, and you have sushi looking ahead of you, we're going to get right to the point. So a uh, quick point as we talk about sales and dive into this message from Zig, I want to I want to bring out, if you are employed at all, if you spend any time working for pay, you are ultimately involved in the selling of a product. While you may have a position behind the scenes and there's someone else or a team who does a literal face-to-face selling, you are obviously a necessary part to making the sale possible. If you do not believe in what you are involved in selling, you're limiting your success and the success of everyone you work with. So on that note, here is a 10-minute message from Zig to kick off the discussion. Uh, Years ago, when I was uh, in the cookware business, I spent 15 years selling heavy-duty waterless cookware. I never will forget one occasion in Columbia, South Carolina. I was the number one salesperson in America working for the Salad Master Corporation out of Dallas, Texas, and my friend Bill was struggling. Now, we sold the same product. We were in different organizations, but we were friends, and we'd frequently get together just to chat. I was over at his house, and uh, I was really all excited, and he was singing the blues. I mean, things were tough. And as uh, I got to talking to him, I said, well, Bill, I know what your problem is. He said, what's my problem, man? Tell me quick. I said, you're trying to sell something you don't believe in. Well, he about exploded. He said, what do you mean I don't believe in it? We got the greatest set of cookware on the American market. I said, I know that, Bill, but it's obvious you don't know it. He said, what do you mean I don't believe in it? I left a company I'd been with for four years. Uh, I was a manager there. I came aboard here as a salesperson. I believe in this product, but Zig, you, you know what my situation has been. 
I wrecked my car, and for about a month there, I had to depend on the bus and cabs in order to go make calls, and you can't operate like that. And then he said, you know, my wife has been in the hospital. She was there for 10 days. We didn't have any insurance. The bill was horrendous. Now it looks like we're going to have to put the boys in the hospital and get their tonsils out, and I still don't have any insurance. He said, Zeke, but I'm going to get the set of cookware. I said, Bill, how long have you been with us? He said, well, five years. I said, what was your excuse last year and the year before and the year before and the year before that? I said, Bill, let me tell you the thought process that takes place when you're in the closing situation. The prospect says to you, Bill, I'd love to buy the set of cookware. It is really neat. But, but you see, I can't. I, I wrecked my car a month ago. And man, you can't sell and operate unless you've got transportation. The bus and the taxes, that just won't get it. My wife's been in the hospital for 10 days. I don't have any insurance. And man, that just stripped us bare. Now it looks like we're going to have to put the boys in the hospital and get their tonsils out. I said, now, Bill, me and you both know nobody's going to come up with exactly the same excuses that you come up with. But when they give you any excuse at all, you're sitting there saying to yourself, quietly, now think positive, Bill, think positive. But deep down what you're thinking is, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That's the reason I don't have a set of the stuff myself. Bill, let me tell you something. You need to buy a set of cookware from yourself today before you go out on your call. He said, do you really think it'll make a difference? I said, no, I don't think it'll make a difference. I know it will make a difference. Write your order, send it in, do it before you go out to make your first call. I persuaded him to do that. I said, Bill, if you do, you will sell enough extra cookware this week to pay for your own set of cookware. Later, he told me he earned more than enough to pay for his own set of cookware and acknowledged as he went on in his career that the best investment he ever made was the investment in his own product. Owners are closers. Owners sell is the point I'm getting across. When you believe in what you're selling enough that you will sell it to your mother or your daughter or your son or your dad, when you believe it enough that you're using it, now don't misunderstand, I don't think if you sell 747s, you got to buy a 747. <laughs> you know, if you're selling Fords and driving a Chevrolet, there's something that's a little inconsistent about what you're talking about. Selling, as Brian said, is a transference of feeling. Well, what I'm really getting at is character is the base on which you're believing. You see, the heart of the sale really does start with the honest factor. And that is what character is all about. I want to tell you folks that values determine behavior. Behavior determines reputation. Reputation determines advantages. It is so important. I will also tell you that roughly 100% of this audience is absolutely convinced that my overhead is completely out of focus. How many of you would agree with that, that you think you really do? I figured you did, all right. Well, let me tell you some good news. Actually, it is not completely out of focus. See, a lot of people think their lives are completely out of focus. Their lives are all fouled up. They're not all fouled up. They are just a little bit out of focus. Now, as salespeople, first of all, we need to focus on getting prospects. Then we need to focus on getting appointments. Then we need to focus on making the presentation. Then we need to focus on getting them to take a positive action. I can't tell you the number of times I've been on sales call with a new salesperson and they'll be talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and never ask for the order. I have on occasion where the prospect would say, now you're not trying to sell me something, are you? Oh, no, 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 no. Well, what are you, a professional visitor? 
I mean, as I understand it, the purpose of the call is to make the sale. That's why honesty and integrity is so important. The belief in your product will come out and the depth of your sincerity is infinitely more persuasive than the height of your knowledge and all of these other things. We are in the people business, as Brian kept talking about. This is where honesty comes in. You see, when you talk about integrity, and there are some people who say, well, you know, everything is relative. Well, so far I've never met uh, the owner of a business who said he or she would hire uh, an accountant or a treasurer who was only relatively honest. Uh, It just doesn't happen. Uh, I know when I go out of town and come back, my wife has never yet asked me if I had been relatively faithful while I was gone. Uh, There are some things that are right. There are some things that are wrong. And if you have that conviction and play it straight, you see, with integrity, you do the right thing. Since you do the right thing, there's no guilt involved. With integrity, you have nothing to fear because you have nothing to hide. You can talk to your customers that you sold yesterday. You can talk to them tomorrow, next week, next year, because you know in your heart that they made the best deal. And that's where the integrity comes in. With integrity, think about it now. With integrity, nothing to fear because you have nothing to hide, no guilt. Take fear and guilt off of your shoulders. Get those two burdens off and you will sell far more and you will sell it more freely. Let me also point out, this has been validated, the Forum Corporation out of Boston, Massachusetts, did a study on 341 salespeople. 173 of them uh, uh, were really super successful, and the other 168 were also good. They analyzed what makes the difference between the super successful and those who are good. And what they discovered was two major factors. Number one, those who had absolute integrity. And kind of as an aside, one of the reasons the ladies are taking an ever-increasing portion of the business in the world of selling uh, compared to their numbers is because when they make promises, I'll get the report back to you by Thursday, or I'll send you the clipping by Tuesday, or I'll make the service call on Wednesday, they are more likely to follow through. Now, this doesn't mean all sales ladies do everything right and all salesmen do everything wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But when you weigh it in the scales, these little things are what make the difference and make are missing the sale. Your word does become your bond. It is your bond. And like my mama used to say to me, if your word is no good, eventually you're no good either. Our words do determine so many things. Now, let me simply say this. These salespeople that they analyzed, those with complete integrity, number one, their word was their bond. But number two, they clearly understood The sale was not complete until the order had been signed, the merchandise, goods, or services had been delivered, and the customer was happy with the transaction. These are the ones that can go back and sell again. These are the ones who will send you to their friends and relatives in order to buy. These are the ones who give you the recommendations. Otherwise, you are always got to be prospecting, and that's okay, but it's so much easier if you don't have to do that, if you can spend your time in the sales process primarily. Everybody's got to always be prospecting, but you've got enough help there. It certainly makes a difference. They understood, therefore, that they needed help if they were going to complete the sale. And so for that reason, when they called into the home office, they were just as nice to the switchboard operator as they were the president of the company. 
They were just as kind to the shipping clerk, the collection portion of the company, and anybody there as they were to the executives there because they realized, and we're all of this way, aren't we going to be more cooperative with those people whom we genuinely like and trust? You put those things together, and that's the reason they were selling so much more. All right, guys, I have some points for us to cover. But before we get into those, and if this steers us in a different direction, that is completely fine. Brian Flanagan, why did Zig's message of missing success and being a distance of 12 inches from head to heart impact you so much? What was going on in your career at that time? Kevin, I'd been promoted with IBM Corporation to Dallas, Texas as a sales instructor. I'm I'm old enough to, some of your listeners don't remember this, but there was something called typing before there was something called keyboarding. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I was selling typewriters and copiers in the old office products division of IBM. I didn't have a lot of belief in myself, whatever baggage that was with my self-esteem. But I got lucky and I got promoted. Unfortunately, I got promoted as a sales instructor at the National Training Center. Here's a guy that couldn't sell, but I was a sales instructor. And Kevin, as you know, those who can do, those who can't teach, and those who can't teach Teach sales. (laughs) It's the Peter principle. All right. Exactly. I get to the the staff position, and I've got a competition of 24 other people on staff with me competing for the next job. And at that time, I saw myself, as Zig explained to himself at one time, he was a little guy from a little town with a little image of himself, and that's how I felt, because the people I was competing with were from big cities. Kathy was from Chicago. Linda was from New York. Ron was from Seattle. And I didn't have a lot of confidence. And one of my buddies said, Flanagan, this book will really help you. Go out and buy a book by a guy named Zig Ziglar. Well, I wasn't investing in myself at the time. I wasn't into self-growth. I wasn't a bookworm or a tapeworm in those days. IBM had invested about $50,000 in me to produce an average salesperson. But one of my friends said, this will help you build your confidence. So for $12.95, I went to a bookstore in downtown Dallas And I paid that $12.95. I got the book. I went back to the office every morning before my wife moved into our our new house that we were relocating to. I was staying in a hotel. So I'd bring a donut and a cup of coffee, and I'd start reading this book. And I got to page 48, and one page on Zig's book, See at the Top, changed my life. The sentence said, you cannot consistently perform in a manner that's inconsistent with the way you see yourself. You cannot consistently perform in a manner that's inconsistent with the way you see yourself. My mother had told me that for 30 years. My wife had told me that for the eight years we'd been married. But until I read that book and that particular sentence, Kevin, I was missing success by that distance of 12 inches. And again, that distance is, that's the distance from my head to my heart. And what I mean by that, for $50,000, IBM intellectually had taught me how to sell. Mm -hmm. I knew how to open. I knew how to close. I could write proposals. Occasionally, I overcame an objection. But I was in sales for six years before sales was in me. What Zig told me was that, Brian, you need to increase your deserve level. You're better than this. You're capable. You can't outperform the image you have of yourself. Change the picture. And when I did that, when I made that last 12-inch journey, not only did my professional IBM sales life changed, Kevin, but my world changed. My wife would tell you that. My mother would have told you that. My friends would tell you that. That that was a big change in my life. And what I say to people is that 
You need to invest more in yourself than you do in your career. The reason I say that, and I've, I've seen it 31 years I've been with Ziegler, personal growth precedes professional growth. Personal growth comes before professional growth. And for $50,000, IBM had built a halfway decent salesperson. But for $12.95, Zig built a better person. Now, you need both. And Tom has coined this phrase. I'm going to give it credit to Tom. At the Ziegler Corporation, we provide will, skill, and refill. Well, Zig was saying, Brian, you need some skills, but also you, you need the attitude about yourself. You need to have a high to deserve level. And that last 12-inch journey, Kevin, literally changed my professional life, but it also changed my personal life as well. All right. Well, I'm going to point out that you referenced the book, See You at the Top, one of the all-time classic books in personal development. And I got to give a personal testimony, guys. My 19-year-old son, I just bequeathed with my signed copy from Zig, that was about three years ago, uh, of See You at the Top, and said, uh, how much can I pay you to read this book, son? And he smiled. And I said, no, I'm serious. I want you, I want you to read it. And that was the uh, 25th anniversary edition, I believe. I, right. said, I said, will that do it? Do we need to double it? And uh, I got the point across. He said, Dad, I'll read it. I'll read it for free. So I'm, I'm on <laughs> for that. But I'm going to take him to page uh, 48, as you said. Man, so, Brian, Zig said, you must first, in this clip we just heard, buy from yourself. Yes. The best investment he ever made was the investment in his own product. I wonder how many people working today buy or own or radically advocate their own Product. So my question is, where do you think the working culture stands in today's day and age and being fully invested in the product or service they are involved in helping sell? And what are the consequences? Well, let, let me go back one second. You bought the 25th anniversary edition. Kevin, tell your son it's on page 54, not page 48. <laughs> All right, I will. I, will. I, I know both those pages, but in the older edition, it was on page 48. All right. I think there's a loyalty factor that keeps some people from being fully invested. I think some people stop looking for work when they find a job and they're not fully invested in really internalizing what they do. I don't always blame the worker for that. It's a leadership problem as well. Okay. Zig for years said that your sales team is not your entire organization but your entire organization is your sales team because there's not one person that can't cost you a sale. Yet what leaders do, what companies do, they only train their salespeople on product knowledge and product benefit values and advantages. We need to train everybody in our organization. One of the things that you heard on that clip was that the fellow Zig was talking to didn't buy into the pots and pans because he used excuses. Leaders need to take those excuses away from people and make sure they're educating them on the impact that their products and services have on the buying public or their customers or clients, what have you. Those products and services have an impact. They wouldn't be sold. Oftentimes, we don't do a good job of selling that within the organization. The other thing I noticed is that sometimes People are trying to say, when I ask them, what do you sell? They say, well, I sell myself, I sell my products and services, I sell the company. Well, what happened to me 30 plus years ago, Kevin, was I didn't believe in myself. 
And what I learned is that to be convincing, you must first be convinced. Mm -hmm. I also learned the hard way that when you sell yourself, you've got to believe in the product. Oftentimes, business people are not investing in their greatest resource, which is their people, their employees, their coworkers, their team. We invest in brick and mortar still, but we don't invest in people enough. So I think if the people, if the leaders took the time to invest in their people, that would give them a great return and would also increase the vested interest and the vested belief that these people have in their products and services. Well, I want to pull, I want to take that and pull it out. If those who are listening, if you're in a leadership position within a corporation, within a company, within a small business even, or if you're hearing this and you're in an organization, you may not see yourself as a leader, but you know those leaders and you're hearing this and saying, yes, we need that. We need everyone in our organization to believe in it, to understand that they're all salespeople to a degree. Just as Brian's talking about, that is what Brian is here for. It's what Ziegler has a team for. If you go to Ziegler.com, Right there on the front page, maybe a couple inches scroll down, you'll see a circle there that says sales training under that. Go there. You can read about this and look at getting Ziegler involved in your corporation, in your small business, in your company. Uh, Now, Zig asks, and I'm going to paraphrase, would you sell the product or service? And this goes right to what you said, Brian. Would you sell the product or service you represent to your mother, to your daughter, to your son, or your grandfather. Tom, what do you think would happen if this became the first deciding factor in pursuing a job or a vocation or a business for the workplace out there now? Oh, it, it'd have a radical impact on it because people, when they think of the people they love, they want only the best for them. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not willing to sell something to your mother, your grandmother, your brother, your sister, because you don't think it's the best for them, then why would you sell it to anyone else? We had a discussion a little while ago, and we were talking about selling as a transference of feeling. And when Dad first came out with that statement, feelings were very much understood. They had a real sense of what they were. And maybe even a better word today would be selling as a transference of conviction. What am I convicted about? And that's the challenge in our culture today is very few people will actually write down a list of the things that they will stand for, mm-hmm. right? I believe in honesty and integrity and character and faith and treating others with respect, and I believe in proposition that includes value and service. And when you start standing for those things, and that's why companies who train and develop their team members around the benefits of their product or service that's based on principles and values, that's where convictions come from. And when I feel conviction coming from somebody, that draws me in. I may not agree But at least I know that from that person's perspective, they want the best for me because they're convicted about it. Okay, that's a big statement. Uh, Yeah, you said, what what do you stand for? And yeah, I got a, from my viewpoint, we've gotten into a culture that stands for very little. If you stand for something, it's narrow-minded, and we end up standing for nothing. So what are your convictions? Okay, well, you took it right out of my mouth. Zig referenced, and he actually referenced you, Brian, in that statement of selling as a transference of feeling. I love that you put conviction in there, Tom. And Zig also said the heart of the sale starts with the honesty factor. That is what character is all about. And the belief in your product will come out. And I love this statement that he said, the depth of your sincerity is infinitely more persuasive than the height of 
of your knowledge, which goes right back to your personal testimony, Brian. If you don't believe in the product or service you're involved in selling, it's infecting your work and quite possibly your life. So that's where I want us to end on today. Let's go beyond business and sales and look at this reality in our personal lives. If we spend all day working as an integral part of a product or service that's being sold, If we don't believe in it, we aren't passionate about it and invested, what does it speak about our integrity? What is the example to our friends and family? That you don't have to believe? That you're just there for the money? Is this not a form, guys, of selling out? Which is a bit harsh, and and I don't want to discount at all those who are doing whatever it takes to put food on the table you know, in the short term, but to devote their vocational life long term to something they don't believe in? Brian and Tom, what do you think? Take a way to spend eight hours. <laughs> if, if, yeah, it is. If, that, if you're not, if you can't give away something you don't possess, if I'm trying to sell you a value and I don't see the value, believe the value, or experience the value, I need to step back until I do. That happens sometimes. In, in my selling career, I've had product alignments where we've had several different product offerings. And at one time, I didn't believe in, back in those days, we called it dictation equipment. Because I didn't use it, I didn't believe in it, I didn't sell it. My manager knew that, so he said, Brian, here's what I want you to do. Every proposal you write, you're going to dictate it, and it's going to go to the word processing area. And the word processing area is going to generate this proposal. You sign it and send it. You do not type it yourself. You do not write it out in longhand. You use this product. Well, kicking and screaming, I did that. Kicking and screaming, it came back, and I saved time, effort. They corrected it. They wordsmithed it for me. It saved me so much time. I became a believer because I became a user. When I did that, I didn't win many awards in those days. As I said, I was still struggling until I got a hold of Zig's material. But I actually was a dictation rep for a quarter, which means I sold more in our office for that three-month period of that dictation equipment. It was because I began to use it, and I transferred the feeling that I had, much like the video, the audio that we just we just heard. I wasn't buying their excuses anymore. I could overcome those objections because I had the same feelings that these people did at one time about the hesitancy. I saw the value of the productivity and the quality. I was a believer. I could transfer that belief. Tom Ziegler, give us give us an ending thought here. Okay, here's an ending thought. My my good friend Howard Partridge has a quote, and I'm going to change it a little bit, uh, and I'm going to put the word sales careers in there. Your sales career exists for one reason and one reason only, as a vehicle to help you achieve your life goals. And this is where we get in trouble, is we don't take the time to write down our life goals. Because when we look at the end of our life and we think, okay, what are our kids going to say about us, our grandkids? What do we want in the obituary? What do we want on the tombstone? We're going to want them to say things like, he was faithful, he was loyal, he was kind, he was honest, and had a great deal of integrity. He did a lot for the community. If that's your ultimate life goal, then the sales career that you're in, the job that you're in, whatever business that you own, whatever work that you do, is simply a vehicle to help you achieve that life goal. And if what you're doing isn't driving you to that place of your life goal, then you need to change vehicles. It's as simple as that. I, and I love that. And that's where we're going to end. Brian, you said, I became a believer when I became a user. And folks, he referenced the book, See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar. If you do not have this in your library, if you have not only read it, but studied it, 
please do. The testimony from some of our world leaders, like Brian himself, comes so much from this book. Do yourself a favor. Go to Ziegler.com. Hit the products. You can get it there. Of course, you can find it just about anywhere else you look that sells books as well. Become a user of where you are right now in your business, in your vocation. Or if you can't, you may need to find, as Tom said, a new place to invest yourself. Gentlemen, thank you for the honor of sitting with you on the show. Folks, this is gold stuff here. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back with you in the next show. Thanks for tuning in to The Ziggler Show. Sign up for new show alerts at ZieglerShow.com. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want.